You are listening to the Dummies for Movies and Movies for Dummies podcast. Um, we'll go ahead and start recording. Um, but first, how does everyone think of the new intro? Yeah, dude, it's that's great. It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I love it, man. I love, I love it. it. It was something that like I just thought of like on the spot, like. Like I was trying to think, um, cause I, we had gotten a suggestion from a viewer, um, that we should have like a intro instead of just like starting it so abruptly. Mm. Um, and that was a great, it's a great suggestion. Yeah. It took a good suggestion. Um, it took me all of five minutes to determine that this was the perfect <laughs> way to start, uh, the podcast. So, <laughs> Uh, hi. It really does set the tone. It exactly sets the tone for what this, what, what sort of podcast this is. Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> hi and welcome. This is Movies for Dummies and Dummies for Movies, a podcast Ooh. where two friends talk about movies and rate them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Make you can. I'm I'm Alan. I'm Zach. Yeah. Bandito. We got I gotta start nailing this intro. Maybe, maybe I need to write a script for the intro. I don't know. Maybe we keep it yeah. loose. We keep it loose. It's a little keep different every time. We keep it know? loose. Yeah, loose, yeah, yeah. Loose, a little different every time. Something new for the viewers. Something fresh. Something get them excited. Fresh. Get them. Get, it, get their eyeballs and ears slapped onto us. You know, slurping up all this content. Like that I'm was a vivid mental sorry. image. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we are we are the straw to the movie, which is the beverage. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. It's like, you know, sometimes we are the straw. It's like sometimes, you know, some drinks are better with straws. Some are without better without straws. Rating movies and killing turtles. Killing turtles. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, disclaimer, no turtles were harmed in the making of this podcast. No turtles were harmed. Um, <laughs> Actually, turtles were loved and appreciated. I love turtles. Oh, dude, you know what I miss? Sorry. Off topic. Um, Different podcast. One, yeah, different podcast. Uh, one of my favorite classic YouTube videos is the "I Like Turtles" kid. Yeah, with the Halloween, the Halloween photos. Yeah, Yeah. and I got to thinking, like, a lot of people don't know these old vintage YouTube videos. Like, some of them are, yeah, yeah, like like deep from the depths. Do you remember Smosh before they were like a big company? It was the Pokemon theme song, like in 2005 they're just like two bros hanging out you know like yeah. no one knows that's where they came from oh, yeah. or how they started like oh yeah oh man i remember those early 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 youtube days yeah man. like I, i've been obsessed with youtube since i was like i don't know i turned 10 in 2005 and youtube got big in like 2009 so it's like 14 yeah and that's when like youtube really started taking off it was when we were in high school and I've been obsessed with it ever since. Like I, I've, I've just consumed copious amounts of YouTube content every day for the last 15 years. And yeah. Yeah. So I, my, I'm, my introduction to YouTube was, um, I was at boy scout camp. Um, and I was talking to a kid. I was in sixth grade, no seventh grade. And I was talking to a kid and I was, and he was like, yeah, dude, you can learn all the Naruto hand signs to do different jutsus on YouTube. And I was like, what's YouTube? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and he was like, "Oh, YouTube." And I was like, "Oh, it's U T U B E." It was like what I thought, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it. And then it was like it came up in the Google search as YouTube, like Y O U. And I was like, "Oh, bet." Um, and then I I learned Naruto hand signs through it. And then I went, "What else is on yep. here?" And then I found I fell in love with um, 
AMVs. So I'd find like my like songs that I liked mm-hmm. and then look up Naruto mm-hmm. AMVs to it and jam out to that and watch that. Oh man, I was nice. Uh, it's 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 curious how I ever picked up any girls. Yeah, how you've ever dated anyone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very curious, very peculiar. Um, back on topic though, um, we watched The Whale. Yeah. Talk this about it's very different from videos like you know evolution of dance and chocolate rain. Yeah, um, you know that this was a heavy movie. So who, those who are living under a rock, the whale. Um, it is a movie starring Brendan Fraser about a morbidly obese writer. Um, I would say coming to terms that he's dying and wants to make one last mm-hmm. connection with his daughter. That's that's kind of the synopsis that I would make mm-hmm. of the movie, um, at first glance. Yeah, right. That's that's kind of like the 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 triggering conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's like he he. It, you find out really early in the movie that he's um, it's gonna die from his obesity, and um, and it's the the rest of the movie is kind of him reckoning with that, reckoning with the mistakes that he's made, trying to reconcile some of them, failing to reconcile others, and then having to basically admit to himself that he can't fix all of his problems. And that, yeah, there's a, there's all sorts of symbolism to talk about here. Like, I don't know how spoiler we want to get now, or we just kind of want to kind of go uh, overview first. Let's do like overview. Um, yeah. Like, so initial thoughts of the movie. Let's, let's hit with the initial thoughts yeah. of the movie first. Yeah. So non-spoilery things. Um, I really liked it. For one, I thought it was beautiful. Like the cinematography was great. It was shot. It's a five by nine uh, movie, which is really unique for 2022 when this movie came out. I have something to add to that. I looked that up because I was like, this is a very like immediately I was like, oh, it's going to expand when the movie kicks in. And then like 20 minutes Mm -mm, came in. It does expand. Yeah. I looked Mm -hmm. it up and the uh, director did that on purpose because he wanted, um, I believe it seems Oh, hold on, I'm going to get actual facts. I have actual facts this time. Um, Charlie, Brennan Fraser's character, wanted him to fill the screen to really bring home how big that character is yeah. and how obese that character is. Yeah, yeah. You never find out like a number for his weight, but I mean, obviously, there's lots of context clues. And also, the like, it's completely understandable why Brennan Fraser won the Oscar for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because not only just like the facial emotional acting, but the physical acting. That he did as this character, because Brendan Fraser, he's a big boy, but he's not like he's morbidly obese, not at all. He's like he's a relatively fit guy in his fifties. Um, but like the one, the prosthetics were amazing. amazing. One of the one of the one of the things I really caught on on like if you look at somebody who's morbidly obese, right? Their joints are swollen as well. Right. And you can look his ankles, his wrists, they're huge. They're swollen. His elbows. Like it's, he can barely like grip his hand because his hands are so swollen. His feet are round. Like it's, they're like club feet. It's so accurate. It's, it's such Mm -hmm. a, and, and the way that they made it to where like the fat's not like a fat suit, right? Like it doesn't go straight it, like, out. It moves. It like jiggles. It jiggles and, with them. Like, and folds in ways. And oh, yeah. It was done it was so good. well. It looked so good. Did they win for prosthetics as well? Or visual effects? I'm not sure. No. Were they even nominated? Avatar won visual effects. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah of course. They might have been nominated though. Or um, practical Because there were some pretty amazing visual effects. 
in this movie, both practical and VFX. Yeah. Um, the movie, like I said, the movie's beautiful. I mean, uh, it's it's an HD, but it's in five by nine. Yeah. HD. So yeah. it's not technically 1080p because there's not that many pixels on the screen, but um, it's. And I also think that it was like a one. I was a style choice to keep him in the frame, and mm. also. It's like it's kind of the time period, right? This is supposed to be like the late two thousands, right? Is it's not it? supposed to be like no, like twenty fifteen or something. It's not supposed uh, to be modern. It's yeah, it's um, Biden versus Trump election was referenced in okay, that so, while he's watching the TV. Oh, re- yeah. No, was it the Biden Trump election or was it the Hillary Trump election that they were referencing? No, it was Biden. Trump. It was the Hillary Trump election because they were talking about Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio. You're right. You're right, all, you're right. You're right. You're right. That you're was right. all twenty sixteen. So this is supposed to be like twenty fifteen. Leading up to the because they were talking about the Republican primary, so right. in 2015, yeah, you're correct. when they were doing the Republican primary, um, so it takes place in 2015. That's again like five by nine isn't supposed to be stylized, but I think it's supposed to, like it's also supposed to transport you back a little bit mm-hmm. because the difference between 2022 and 2015 is really subtle. But this kind of like we were helps li- add to the fact that we're we're back in time by like a decade by like just a little bit yeah we were living together at that time so look how far yeah, we've changed yeah. now yeah we were yeah seriously now we live um 500 miles away we live, <laughs> yeah 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 um would you walk 500 miles to come see me uh yes and 500 more just to be the man who walked a thousand miles to wind up at your door <sighs> Well, that's all the time we have today, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go make out. We'll see you later. Uh, Ooh, also, I thought that was done really well as well in the movie. They weren't like... Um, oh, him being gay? Him him being gay, they used as a... Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't use it as... Okay, so I'm going to get on a little high horse pedestal. Like Sometimes I feel like actors or writers write these characters that are gay just to be like a token gay character or like that is their entire... Um, reasoning of right. that character is just to be mm-hmm. a gay character and that that's all the depth that they give to that character you know right um it's just like a single it's just a single trait of this person this is a trait and they used it to prosecute him while writing his character out prosecute uh um maybe not prosecute uh, to give him flaws like um his hardships his everything that has made him not mm-hmm. everything but uh, they use it as a driving force of like you know like it it, it, it ties it, in well. It ties it tied into the in with of dishonesty to me. Yes. Well, what, what I'm saying is like it. Um, it ruined the, any chance. Dishonesty with himself. They yeah. they used it to to kind of um, ruin um, to kind of justify the ruining of him and his daughter's connection via um, his ex wife, right? Um, and then it tied in with the friends that he has now at the end of his life, right? His one friend. Um, I don't. I don't want to go too deep into this because of spoiler stuff. Um, yeah, fast forward a few minutes, we'll get into spoilers. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I thought I, I was. It was a refreshing way for them to do it, where it didn't feel like it was just um, the token is, gay character. Yeah, this is our token gay character, right? Like, yeah. I hate that. I hate it when mm-hmm. and and I even do that. Like, even in movies, like. They'll have like token black characters, token white characters, token like Mexicans. depending on the movie, yeah. token Mexicans, like, mm-hmm. and it's like that is their entire like meaning of writing, you know. And it's like mm-hmm. that's not good writing, like, no, nothing about that. I no. don't need to know that. I don't need to know that yeah, because it does nothing to the story. I literally don't care. It's, it's lazy. 
It's, yeah. it's using stereotypes as plot, as plot devices. And it's just like kind of lazy writing. Yeah. You're not looking into the actual, um, motivations of a character and like what they've been through to drive their, their actions. You're more looking at like their identity to drive their actions. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's not, it's yeah. When that, when that happens, it, it's, it, it always leaves a sour taste in your mouth, whether it's, uh, for about sexual orientation, transgender, um, a race, any of these things that like feel like they've being tokenized in a movie. It's like, it's so apparent, especially when like, like I can spot a token Mexican character from 500 miles away. Like before they even say anything, I can just tell by the way that they walk into a room in a movie what that they're, they're going to be like the token Mexican character. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's, it can be insulting. And so like this movie does it really well where he's, he's not just like a token gay dude, you know, he's, it's just, it's a part of him and it, it adds into the complexity of him as a human mm-hmm. and the actions and decisions that he makes as a character are influenced by his experience as a person. And part of that experience happens to be being gay and it, but it's not like, yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. I thought it was, it was really well done. Yeah. Um, um, cause it, it can be really hard to write complex characters like that. Um, especially I like, I don't know much about the writers, but like, if you haven't been through the experience of somebody like that, it's hard to honestly write a character that reflects that, right. That reflects those experiences. Um, which is why I, you know, I think like representation in writing, like, like more than representation in acting, like that's important, but like representation in writing Mm -hmm. is also incredibly important. Like having multiple voices and people to help influence these characters that you're building are going to help to make more believable, dramatic and interesting characters when they're grounded in enough reality to make them relatable and believable. Yeah. Um, and not like tokenized, you know? Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that like, um, I, I have a whole rant too also on Hollywood. Like I think you can find better movies. Um, and I, okay. Out of all the movies produced in Hollywood, you get gems like this movie where the writing and style, there's passion behind it and it feels almost like an indie film. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love good independent film creators and their A24 movies. has been hunt, like just pumping out bangers. Yeah. It's, it's the studio that made this movie. Yeah. Um, they also did um, everything every, everywhere all at once, uh-huh. which won like three Oscars. Mm-hmm. They did the whale. They've done. Um, hang on, I have it pulled up here. They oh, they do uh, Euphoria. Oh wow! Yeah, they they produce that. Two dope queens. They do a lot of like. Um, they've done they've done some like well interesting. They've done some like stand up. They produce stand up. Oh, a lot of TV. Um. I just of their television programming. I'm trying to look at their their I, movies. Anyways, I mean, they make really good stuff, and they've been taking a lot of risks and making like like basically like anti-establishment Hollywood movies, like just right. making good movies yeah. and not like falling into the same blockbuster traps that everybody else is is doing and the same tired nonsense that we see every summer. Yeah, and they're putting like real passion and effort into the movies that they're making, and they're giving a ton of creative control to the people who it matters that they have creative control like yeah. writers, directors, actors, producers, and 
it's it's just it's the proof is in the pudding man they they took home so many oscars this year they're just they're they're crushing it yeah. they're making good film after good film after good film and i i'm really excited to see what else they can do because now especially now after this like round of oscar wins their budgets are gonna skyrocket yeah they're gonna have so much more money investment all sorts of things and like the movies that they're gonna be able to make as long as they maintain their philosophy of like creative control to the artists then they're going to make some amazing films, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see what a 24 does. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize that they did um, everywhere all at once as well. Like I just, I, this is what I love. Like this is what movies and like the whale are the reason why I wanted to start this podcast. Right. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about movies like, yeah, like I love bad movies too, you know, like and there's two mm -hmm. guys that are passionate about movies and have different views on movies. But I think it's mm -hmm. something that we can both agree on is just like, we love movies like this. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm speaking ahead. I don't know. I don't know what your rating is. I don't know anything, but like, no, I did. I love this passion. Movie. Like movies full with passion are just fantastic, mm -hmm. man. It's so good. Um, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I, I, this, this movie is a, um, it's a very sad, very dark movie and I love really everything heavy. about it. Yeah. Um, to give you guys yeah. an idea, my brother came, I was watching this movie, um, with my mom actually. And, um, my brother came in and watched maybe the last 20 minutes. And then afterwards he was like, he, he, it was like the, mo the last 20 minutes of the movie, like he didn't know anything else before. And he was like, I can tell by that last little bit that I saw that movie was really, really sad and I was and dark and heavy. And I was like, nice pun heavy, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's, um, I wanted to reference, you talked about Brendan Fraser's acting and like, um, there was one thing I caught immediately, acting, but Brendan Fraser, especially. Oh yes. Yes. Sadie Sink did an incredible job as well, but, yeah. She knows she's from Texas. Sadie Sinkers? I think she's from Brenham. Out by like College Station. Really? Yeah, I think so. Huh. Um, but uh, there was a scene in particular with Brendan Fraser where I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. And it was um, the first time. Um, oh, what is her name? Uh, Liz has a meatball sub for him. And she's like using it as a bargaining tool for him not to reach out to his daughter because she doesn't think that's a healthy relationship or a thing for him to do. And um, his facial features when she's giving him the sandwich and like, like luring it over him for the deal, his eyes yeah. are wide. He like perks up for the sandwich and like, yeah. and it's like that. I mean, it's also part of the movie too. They were trying to display like the sickness his of his addiction. Yeah. yeah. It's and, and, and it just like, you know, like, it made me, you know, like question like my relationship with food, even, you know, to an mm -hmm. extent, because I was like, mm -hmm. oh, man, I, I do that. Like I have my like I salivated the thought of like some of my favorite restaurants. Like, yeah, I get that. And like the acting, the way to portray it, like it, it was just so well done. I, that, that was one of the notes that I had where I was like, I was like, wow, this is um, mm -hmm. like this is what's going to separate this movie from other movies that we watched, like by far. Right. Like we haven't watched a oh, yeah. movie with acting like that in it. Like the menu was good no. and the menu acting was really, really good, but not yeah. like that. It, it didn't not go like that this. extra, no. No. Oomph, you know, 
it's di- it, well, it's also a totally different movie. Like, like in the menu, Ralph finds like he played he he plays the villain really right. well. Obviously, yes. he's Voldemort. Yes, you know, and he plays that like cold, calculated like that. He's a character actor, and in, in in that sense that he's played, I'm sure he does other stuff. But you know, the comparison here is like the villain and the way he can play that like cold, calculated, but friendly and charming at the same time, right? Because that's what that's how Voldemort was. Voldemort yeah. was like. He's like this, he's grotesque and horrible by the time you see him in Harry Potter, but like his whole history, he's this like incredibly charming, outgoing, like makes you feel heard and listened to. Like that's how he manipulated people yeah. was because he was so charming. He got- and it's the same, it's the same thing that he does in the menu. It's like, you know, he, he, he has this like grandeur charm about him where he's like, you're, you're so inspired by his passion, but he's also like fucking crazy. Well, that's, um, I believe that's what they wasn't ca- the same kind of acting. This is like a drum, like the whale was like a dramatic, heavy role. And like, if you listen to Brendan Fraser talk about it too, he talks about how difficult it was to play a character like this. And it kind of took a toll on him emotionally because like when you have to get into that headspace for so long, it beca- like, it can become real. The mind is a powerful thing, you know? Um. And so like, to ha- like in order to play it correctly, he almost had to become depressed himself and like, you know, self-loathing and like hatred and, 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 you know, disposition for the world and like all of these horrible negative traits of this character embodies, like he had to live those and play this character. And while it's not the same as like actually experiencing it, it can take, take a toll on somebody. Like it's totally different. And it, the, what it requires from the actor is massively impressive i'm always impressed by actors that can act well yeah like even a little bit because that is they get paid the most because it's the hardest job on a film set i don't give a shit what anybody says being the actor is the hardest job on the film set you know why because from 4 a.m until noon when you start shooting there is a swarm of bees on that set prepping getting everything ready getting camera angles planning track shots, like getting everything written down. Like it requires an immense amount of organization, manpower and money. And then you as the actor, your job is to show up and nail it. Yeah. Right. Everybody else gets hours and hours of prep time and planning. And what you have to do is perform it perfectly. Right. You get a few tries, but like it, it is the highest pressure of a, of a film set because like, if you don't do well, then you've ruined the entire day for the entire set. I right? would if a light malfunctions, it takes an hour to fix it. Everybody goes on a break. You come back, you can keep filming. If an actor doesn't act well, all of that prep and planning that they plan for and went into and executed properly is for naught because you can't use any of the footage. Yeah, I would argue uh, editors also have probably one of the hardest, yeah. if not the hardest as well, because they can take. And like they, Definitely. they can but ruin they, movies, they have more, right? So much time, but they you have know, more time. Absolutely. But yeah. they have wait. I have a ton of time and collaboration, right? We're mm-hmm. like for the actor, your whole job, you like a huge portion of the art, which is the acting in a movie. Yeah. Like that is a large portion of what makes up the art of a movie is acting. And you are solely responsible for that. No one can help you mm-hmm. act well. Right. Yeah, they can give you yeah. some direction, but you have to do it. You have to do it and you have to do it right. And no, you don't have a backup guy. You know, you don't have another light guy that can, can come in if you break your finger. That's it. Yeah. You're the, you are the stopping point. And yeah. it's, it's a, that's a hard job, man. It's a really hard job. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to move into the ratings and stuff and like really deep down on like how we feel about this movie. But first, uh, what do we call it? TV time. 
Oh, yeah, TV time. Yeah, let's get let's hop into some TV time and then we'll return. Yeah, we'll return back to the whale here in a minute. Um, you know, this is TV time. It's our little segment. Uh, I believe it's Zach's little segment that he started. Um, yeah. It, do explain it to the people. So it, I watch a lot of TV, right? Uh, when I'm when I'm not watching movies for the podcast, I watch lots of other movies, but um, mostly like Aaron and I, my wife and I, in the evenings, our favorite thing to do is just to like relax and watch TV, make dinner, whatever. And so we put on um, whatever shows we like. Um, we have a, a policy that like we'll we'll give every show the first episode, um, and then if it's mid, we'll go another two or three, see if it picks up, and if it sucks, then we'll drop it then. Um, Good rules, but. Well, we started a show called For All Mankind, and I basically binged this the entire, almost the entire thing. I'm in the middle of season three, but almost the entire thing since the last podcast recording. And, um, oh boy, it's awesome. Especially if you love, like, space travel. Like, um, you know, I grew up idolizing, like, you know, the Challenger missions and, and space shuttle flight and stuff like that. And, you know, always he- hearing about the Apollo stuff, like my stepdad when I was a kid, he worked at NASA as a systems engineer. And so I like, I I love all that kind of stuff. And I like know all of the history and the science and like the orbital mechanics and stuff. Like I'm really fascinated by it. And this show is basically the premise is like, if this was 1969 and instead of us being the first ones to the moon, the Soviets beat us. So the Soviets beat us to the, to the moon. And it's just, it's everything that ensues after that right what the implications are of us losing the space race because in reality when we won the space race the soviets kind of were like well we lost just kind of gonna put that on hold and america did the same thing wait wait, wait. you mean you mean when we faked landing on the moon ha 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 i'll i'll fight that all day if you try to give me that nonsense that the lunar landing was faked you're just kidding yourself um my last name is armstrong i think i have some say okay the there the science it's fact you can prove it mathematically and there's also receivers and materials that we can see with a telescope i've seen it like don't be stupid anyways so basically it's like the implications of of if because because we lost the space race what that meant for us politically is that we poured more money into funding nasa because we're like, oh shit, the Soviets beat us to the moon. Like we gotta, we gotta get there second and set up a bigger base and do more on the moon than they do, right? There's because the space race is still on. Because America, no, we don't lose, baby. So, <laughs> so it's 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 as if NASA had the same funding that they did in the mid '60s, just continued, and like all of the innovations that they're going through. And so each season takes place over like in a different decade. So it starts in the seventies, um, kind of with like the initial moon projects and the first, you know, this is, this is when it gets into historical fiction, but they have like a, you know, a, 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 a hab, they call it a habitat unit. And so then the first people that like live on the moon for a period of time. And it, it's, it's really, really good. The writing is really good. There's, there's some sections that are like, like it's some kind of a bit fabricated, yeah. drama yeah. you know that, that that you know but but it also like gives good implications to like character motivations and and lots of things like there's really good character arcs in the show and growth and none of the characters end the same place that they start and it's you know it's just good writing good television and they also have several astronaut consultant like real astronauts that have been to space um 
at consulting with all of the science and making it, it's still fiction, right? Because like a lot of these things don't exist, but making it believable and real enough so that it, it can suspend your disbelief and, and really make it feel like, like this is actually what could have happened. And yeah, they, cause then like it, in the second season, I don't want to spoil too much, but in the second season they go into like some of the like concept rockets and things that, that the U S was working on in the seventies and like that they actually came to fruition. And it's yeah, man, it's so cool. It's such a, it's a, it's a really good show. It's got the dude from, uh, have you seen altered carbon? Uh, yeah, I have. So the, the main character first season from, yeah, the yeah, main yeah. character from the first season, he's, um, he's the, he's like one of the main characters of the show. It's more of an ensemble cast, but it's, he's like yeah. the main guy. And like when I watch altered carbon, it's all, it's like a gritty cyberpunk drama. Yeah. So yeah. it's a little different, but like, dude, that dude is an actor. He right. is a thespian. His acting is really, really good. And then all right. the rest of the supporting cast is great too. And yeah, it's like, it's, it's awesome. I will say the one thing that it falls short and the only reason it falls short is that there's a few like jet scenes, like fighter jet scenes. And after watching Top Gun, no fighter jet scenes are good. Like there, there are no good fighter jet scenes that aren't in Top Gun. So it's like, you're That's like, no, oh, that was, that was okay. Cause uh, man, Top Gun, I, I watched that recently and that movie was awesome. Yeah. Top Gun. Uh, that was a good movie. Definitely. It, it, it like sometimes when they make like, l- like sequels to things from like a long time ago, they're really bad. Oh, they uh, suck. Yeah. Terrible. This one yeah. was really good. This one was, Oh, it nailed it. It absolutely nailed it. It built on the first one. It built on the technology, like not only in like the, w- sorry, this isn't a podcast on Top Gun. We should get back to the whale. I'm yeah. going to go on a, on a ramble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, real quick. I want to, I want to give my, my, my TV I've been watching. So I watched a TV show this week. I'm middle watching it. I am. Uh, how many episodes in I am? If it's an anime, I'm leaving the call. Okay, so back to the whale. Um, no, he left. Hey, unbelievable! All right, no, all right, go ahead, give it to me. What is it? Uh, so I started watching uh, the anime called Gurren Logan. You might know you're a fan of Nicewig. It's Nicewig's favorite anime. Is it? Yeah, he's know, talked about that. it a lot. No. But um, it's a lot of people's favorite, and I'd never seen it before. And I don't like mech anime, and this is a mech anime, so I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm gonna like it. Whatever. Um, it's by the same creators who did Kill a Kill. If you guys are anime nerds, you know Kill a Kill. It just makes fun of Shonen constantly. Um, but uh, it was kind of like a comedy from what I was getting. I knew nothing about it going in blind. Um, and so it's, you got your main three characters and they're going, they're, you know, they're fighting They people on earth live underground because there's earthquakes and you can't live up top. Well, they venture up top and mm. they find other people have ventured up top and saw that there's beast humans with mechas just killing humans is their goal. Right. And so they like, okay. well, let's steal a mecha and let's fight back. Like let's rebel, you know? So they do that and they rebel and you have your, your three main characters and you're going, it's all kind of funny and it's cheesy. It's making fun of like all the eighties mecha animes, you know, like all the tropes, like super making fun of it. And I was like about to drop it honestly. Cause I wasn't like super invested. And then episode seven happens in episode well, seven. In. They kill one of the main characters. I won't oh, tell you who I'm not, I'm not spoiling that they kill yeah. him. And I was like, Oh, they'll bring him back. Cause that's like how this anime is being. Works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, 
No. They kill him. No. They do not bring him back. And you can see nice. the effects on the other main characters. Like one of them goes, I just want to be like this lead, like this guy. He was a leader and like, I need to do what he does, but he can't do it. Cause that's not who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. And you see mm-hmm. gloom. They draw like bags under his eyes. He has no motivation to fight. He has no motivation to lead these people that he's like, that they started to rebel with and grow in population. He has no, he's not a leader. He doesn't want to lead them. He doesn't want to live because his best friend is gone and like his only family. And like, yeah. and, um, and now like the, the rebellion is suffering from it. And it's, it's just so dark right now. It is so hmm. dark. And like, there's like moments where you're like, Oh, well that's like, should be a shining beacon for them to like rally behind, you know? No, like it doesn't matter. Like this, like their entire world is like, they can't overcome this and like it's it's very very good and i've only heard that it gets better so um i've i've been enjoying it a lot again on like episode 10 so um or 11 out of 27 episodes like it's short it's something you could binge for sure i think it's on oh it's only 27 episodes the whole thing yeah it's on netflix too yeah oh okay so you can watch it on netflix crunchyroll wherever uh funimation um but yeah, that's maybe, what I've been watching. Maybe in the future, part of maybe in the future, part of TV time will be like to watch the other person's recommendation, like the first three episodes, and then Ooh. give give a little. Ooh, hold little on! Thought. I have an idea. What if we do a special TV time only podcast? TV time episode? Just I'm TV time only. TV time episode. Yeah, maybe like a supplemental like thing or something. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it'd be kind of cool. Right. I like it. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I like how it's going. But yeah, that's enough TV time. Uh, before we get back, I want to plug in some things. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Um, uh, follow us on like, uh, what, what do you want? What do you want to follow you on Zach? Twitch, uh, you subscribe to my YouTube. Um, that those are the main ones. Yep. Uh, Bandito on all platforms. We got socials. I'm, I'm on, uh, TikTok and Twitter as well. Um, I post less on those, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Twitter, um, I, I'm bar- I barely use Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter, I probably won't even notice. Um, but yeah. I, Follow me on, on Twitch. That's 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 really the best place to big one. to interact. Yeah, um, I'm also on Twitch. Uh, tag the Trippy Ghost. I'm on Twitter um, and TikTok. Eh. Uh, but that's all I use. And I use I'm on Twitter religiously. I'm on it almost all day. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm still addicted. Bad for your brain, dude. Uh, you know what's bad for your brain? TikTok. It's true. Takes bad. bad for your brain. But and according to the federal government, they are the the greatest evil that our nation has ever faced. Yeah. Um I don't we're not getting into that. Um, we don't have to get into that. <laughs> uh back to back to what's important. Meanwhile, back to American what's important. Tech, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. whale. Whale. The whale. Oh. Okay. Um I kind of want to go and first. We're getting into spoilers. Spoiler yeah. alerts. Spoilers for the whale. I, going forward, it's going to be, we're going to talk about major plot points, spoilers, all sorts of stuff. I, I want to go first. I want to give my, I, I normally give my score second. I want to go first. Um, okay. I give the whale a 92 out of 100. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you might be thinking, whoa, Alan, hold your horses. That's a little high, don't you think? I don't think you've given anything over an 80 before. And you're right. I haven't. But... This is a very special movie. This was a good movie. Um, this was a really, really good movie. There are, there's, I'm going to read something and then I'm going to elaborate on it. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> In the amazing book, Moby Dick by the author, Herman Melville, the author 
recounts his story of being at sea. In the first part of the book, the author, calling himself Ishmael, is in a small seaside town, and he is sharing a bed with a man named Quigig? Quigig? Quigig. Quigig. There we go. Um, and I felt the saddest of all when I read the boring chapters that were only descriptions of whales, because I knew that the author was just trying to save us from his own sad story, just for a little while. That's a quote from the whale, right? It's a quote that, and it's a theme in a quote. So like they mm -hmm. quote that four or five times throughout the movie. And the symbolism in that, there's so many. It It's kind of how the movie is written. If you're going plot by plot, you know, to an extent, it's it's mm -hmm. the flow of the movie. It's how... Brennan, uh, Charlie, Brennan Fraser's character feels about himself and his life in that movie. Um, and on top of that, at the very end, you find out that it's an essay that his daughter wrote when she was a kid, mm -hmm. which brings home everything that this movie is about. The symbolism in that is almost one for one with the movie. It's, it is fantastic. I love the artistic like Liberty and making that such a focal point in the movie. Mm -hmm. Brendan Fraser's character is a, is a, is a writing teacher. Like he's it, a writer. it's yeah. a, every time he's about to die, he gets someone to read that to him because mm -hmm. he wants to hear it one last time. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't know until the end that like his, his daughter is the one who wrote it, you know, but it's, yeah. it, I, I, I know I'm repeating well myself, kept, but it's, it's a well-kept piece of information. Uh, sorry. Just one. Yeah. Yeah. Tangent, yeah. But, and I think it's a well-kept piece of information because, because he's a writing teacher, mm -hmm. right? And so you know you, that you learn that first. You learn that he's a writing teacher before you hear that. So yeah. it, it leads you as the audience to believe that that essay might have come from just a student that inspired him, uh -huh. right? And so you don't, and so it allows the emotional significance of the punch of learning that it's his daughter, which I, to, to be fair, I called that a little earlier, like, Ooh. The first time he read her writing, I was like, I think his daughter must have written that first essay. So, but it allows that emo sorry, let me just finish what I yeah, saying. Yeah, it allows yeah. that emotional punch to really come through because you as the audience are basically led to believe that this is just a good piece of writing that he really likes and because he reads all sorts of writings, there's there's not there's nothing that leads you to believe that it's his daughter at first. Yeah. And um I fell for the trap that they set where you learned that his um he leaves his wife for one of his students after his student is no longer his student. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and that he, um, he is gay. Right. And that, um, his, um, partner ended up committing suicide. Right. So after I heard that, I went, that's who wrote it. Yeah. His partner's the one yeah, that wrote that's that. And that's, and, and they, 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 they just bring it to you on a plate, but they kind of hide it. They don't say it out loud. And it's kind of like, you know, all you know is it's it's probably somebody close that wrote that to him, and then you make mm -hmm. you you make the connections yourself, and they give it to you really well. It's where you're like, I'm smart, I figured it out. Mm -hmm. And then they set up his daughter to be this evil person, right? On on the surface, no one understands her. Mm -hmm. She's lost. She's sad. She's confused. She's evil, right? And so you're like, there's no way she wrote that because he's also they almost make it seem like he's teaching her how to write because they make a deal where he'll do her essays and um, 
Well, and, she writes for him. Yeah. yeah. And she'll write for him and he's going to give her $120,000, right. To hang out with him for three days, basically, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so you're like, well, she doesn't really know how to write. And then there's a really cool scene where she writes a haiku and you don't know, you mm-hmm. think it's on accident, but I, I personally now after seeing the movie, I think it was on purpose um, yeah. because there's more depth to this character. Every, every character, every actor there's very limited actors and characters in this there's like seven of them and there's only three or four that have big roles um and everyone has an important role uh i want to go through it i want to go through it um i'm going to skip charlie brendan fraser's character i'm going to skip that because main character right um i'm going to start with um liz his best friend right she's a nurse i want to talk about this a little bit she comes through um and you're like oh it's just she feels bad for this guy, you know, like a friend mm-hmm. of a friend, like they, they made friends. She's, she's his only friend left. Right. Yeah. Um, and they expand on her and she really cares, but like to an overbearing point, she's making decisions for him. Yeah. Cause she doesn't feel like he is, he, he's killing himself and won't go to the hospital. And therefore he can't she's make sound. Yeah. He can't make sound decisions either. So like when he wants to spend time with his daughter and like get to know his daughter, she's like, that's not a good idea. You're getting ready to die. You don't know what you're doing. You're mm-hmm. not even going to the hospital. Like, how are you going to connect with your daughter if you can't even take care of yourself? Right. Right. Um, and then you learn who Liz is and how he knows Liz and became friends with Liz. Liz's brother mm-hmm. was his partner that committed suicide. Right. Mm-hmm. And that and then it clicks and you're like, oh, that's why she cares so much. Like. She's his only family now. And with her, you learn about her backstory and her family. And he's kind of her only family. If you think about it, you know, a very, very good character development and and that, and it was the the web. And now there's a web going right. And now you meet this guy named Thomas who fronts as a um, missionary going, you know, from place to place, door to door, door, you know, trying to spread the gospel. God. Yeah. Um, And you learn that later on that, like, so when you first introduce him, he actually comes in and saves Charlie's life at the beginning of the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, this is a sign for God. Like I'm here to help you. There's a reason for this. Right. Um, and then you start to learn, mm, maybe he's not like the man of God that he pretends to be. And he actually just, w- he, and, and truthfully, he just wants the, the glory of, of it all. Right. He wants to save somebody so that he can mm-hmm. fill his own um, selfish desires, right? Like that's all he wants. He wants the praise for saving somebody because mm-hmm. you can look, that's a reflection of the church, right? Like he's also um, a bit of a, a bit of a parallel mm-hmm. to Charlie, a younger yeah. version of Charlie. Yeah. Um, in the sense that he runs away from his problems. Yep. He is consumed and lives in shame and he underestimates the compassion of the people around him to his own detriment Mm -hmm. and allows that narrative to continue the cycle of self-hate and dishonesty to themselves. Yeah. And part of his arc in my, my thoughts are that part of his arc is Charlie helps him to not be that. And I, I think that what his daughter did, what, what, no. Oh no, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Re- rewind, uh, rewind. You you broke up. You broke up a little bit. Connection uh, can issues. You hear me now? Um am I good? I think so. Yeah. Start uh you were talking about technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah. Well we'll rewind. Okay. Um uh, so, his daughter. What his daughter did. Yeah, so I think that she what she did by basically like 
collecting all that information on him and then telling his family and church about it. I do think that it was an act of kindness. I don't think that it was a um, malicious in any way, because <clears throat> I think I think the one of the biggest themes in the movie is honesty. Mm-hmm. And so and how dishonesty with yourself and the people that you love can lead to turmoil. Right. Yeah. And basically what she did is she forced him to be honest with his family because he was being honest with her. And she just conveyed that to his family. And the outcome was that his family forgave him and he was able to go home and return to a normal, happy life and not live in these, you know, this shadow of shame and guilt that were consuming him before. And that consumed Charlie and eventually led to his death. Right. Uh, I want to. Uh, I want to. I want to move on to um, Sadie Sink, Ellie's character, uh, yeah. the character of Ellie. I think that was a beautifully written character based on. Um, they already had the idea, so when you first meet her, it, she seems cold and evil, right? Even like her mom just straight up says like she is evil, right? Mm-hmm. And you realize that that's not. It, she's a product of what Charlie did to her, right? Mm-hmm. So at a young age, she looked up to her father, and her father left. Right. Yeah. No contact because of his selfish being. Right. Which yeah. you can, she's just angry. Self, and yeah. Misunderstood. Yeah. And I think because of that, she didn't want to open up to anybody. And she found that it was just like she found not to trust. You can't trust anybody, not even people that you love. Right. And the closest of people to you, you can't trust. Therefore, why should I open up and why do I even want to have connections with other people? Why do I want to have friends? Why do I want to connect with people? I'm just going to build this wall. And I don't care. I don't care. And I'll be as truthful as I can to people. And I, I, I want the reaction. Like I, I literally do not care. Right. But really yeah. like throughout the story, you, she breaks down those walls in her own way because she's still learning how to trust and to love people. So in her own way, it is like what you said, I'm going to go tell his family now because I think this would help him more than, you know, him being here. And you know, he's he i'm not going to build this bridge between us either you know like um this is something that i can do and you can see that even at the beginning she tells charlie stand up and come over here if you want to help me out right right like if you want to be a part of my life come over here and walk over to me and he can't do it and you you see it as well when uh because like it's a great it's a contrast between like the character of liz who has her own baggage and reasons that she's enabling him right like she's not good for charlie no no she helps him and tends to his needs, but she also enables him severely. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's part of her own character flaws, but you notice she gives him a you know, double meatball sub extra cheese, but his daughter, even though she's about to drug him is give, she's like, I'm going to make you a sandwich with Turkey and no mayo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she's like, she's like, She's like, if you, you know, if you want a relationship with me, I'm going to be in enforcing some boundaries around that and how you need to take care of yourself because it's what you're doing is, you know, destructive and, um, it's still selfish, selfish, right? Yeah. yeah selfish to, to those around you and to those who love you. And, it, and I want, she wants to love him, right? She wants to, she wants her dad in her life. And yeah. you see that in the, like in one of the final scenes when she's like about to walk out the door and she stops, she said, daddy, please. Like it's she wants this, but because of what he did, she has all of these guards up, but yeah. she is a much healthier, like influence in his life than 
what he currently has. Right. Right. Uh, it's, it's really, and I, 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 there's a couple more, like I'll touch on real quick. Um, his ex-wife, um, Ellie's mom, mm-hmm. um, there's not a whole bunch. You like alcoholism, right? Like some of alcoholism, but I think her defining moment, you don't learn a whole, whole bunch about her. She's not in the movie yeah. a whole bunch, but her defining moment was when she said that she, the night that, um, Charlie's new partner, um, passed uh, before he passed away. Um, she saw him at the grocery store and she said she had all these thoughts, mm-hmm. but you know, deep down she didn't even, she helped him with his groceries and then instead of telling him like, this is who I am, da, 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 da. She just, yeah, she, she just, you know, he thanked and they walked away and it was her yeah. mode of forgiveness. Like this is, Oh, like passion. It's know. yeah. It's, it's like, she could tell that he was going through something too. Like he was like, yeah, he wasn't all there. He was like, you know, right. This was like in the throes. This was like, you know, she said it was like a month before he killed himself. Right. So it was like, yeah, it, he it was in the throes of a deep depression and not eating and like all of, you know, and I, I think a lot of self hatred, and I, I think that's that's beauty too. You know, like it's people. I I I don't, know, I don't know if everyone got this, but like she can't help herself with her alcoholism, but she's willing to help others, right? Which mm-hmm. I feel like is something that we all tend to do. We tend to treat others mm-hmm. better than we treat ourselves. It's so much easier to help other people than it is to help yourself. Yeah, that's why. Like, and a lot of times, like I've been told this in therapy, like treat yourself the way you would treat someone else yeah. is in need you know like if if you're feeling low and depressed and like treat yourself like you would treat somebody else who's acting like you are yeah and who feels the way that you do and not you know and so it's but that's really hard you know that's hard it's like a very difficult but i think thing that to reckon with that's a reflection of the film <laughs> as well right like charlie mm-hmm. wants to you know help like one of the things is like i'm scared that my daughter doesn't have any friends you know like he's more worried about that than he literally like minutes so, before was yes. told you are going to die this week. Like mm-hmm. it, he doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about himself, mm-hmm. you know? No. Um, and then the last character I really want to, um, it, it was something that um, the character had no development whatsoever. He had just a couple lines, you know, and it was the pizza delivery man, Dan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was the, um, he is, was the fuel to the third act right where everything is down and low in Charlie's life. Um, everything's going bad. Um, you know, and Dan has always been a constant delivering pizza and has seemed like he wanted to get to know the guy, you know, like, Hey, are you okay? Is everything okay in there? Like, are you good? Like genuinely felt, you know, um, like never seen him, but, but Charlie's never seen him. Like he doesn't go to the door to answer. He just says, yeah, money's in the Mm -hmm. mailbox. Like it's all good. Thank you. And Charlie's starting to break out of his shell you know, he's still trying to, he, he's, he's reaching for straws at this point in the movie and Charlie goes out to get to the pizza and Dan instead of driving away is there and sees him. And he says, um, what is it? He says like, Oh my God. Or like, um, he just like looks at him and then leaves. He just like looks at him with yeah. like a pretty pure disgusted look. Yes. And then, and like leaves. his eyes get really wide and then he like turns around and leaves very quickly. Yes. And, and that, and, and that was when Charlie was feeling the worst about himself and mm-hmm. it just, it triggers a downward spiral. Right. And he it starts. Was, binging. It was a, yeah. It was a, it was symbolism for mm-hmm. the way he's perceived. Right. Because when nobody sees him and they just, they just see him as like a normal person, 
they're they're friendly and they're kind and they're they want to get to know him. And this was it was like this affirmation for him is that like as soon as somebody sees him and sees how disgusting he is, that they could never love him. Right. Yeah. Which is also part of the reason that he does it to himself, right? Yep. Is that it's it's it, it it's a self-perpetuating cycle of shame and self-hatred. And that was just like an affirmation to him that he is lovable but disgusting. Yeah. Right? Is that like there there is when when there's the facade of not his real self, people actually get along with him. And then as soon as he reveals himself to them, as soon as he shows them his truth, they leave. Right. Yeah. And it's it's like this, it's this this moment for him that just like reaffirms all of the negative, horrible things that he says about himself yeah. to himself. Cause you know, like I, I'll talk about it when I, when I get into what I thought about the movie, but uh, you, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost done. Um, but I think the writer did a great job at making this web of casts all interact and intertwine and mean something. Um, there was no, there, I didn't have a moment where I was like, I wish that we got more into this character. Right. Um, like yeah. it, it, I mean, maybe more of the mom, but I think it would have dragged the movie. Honestly, I think yeah. what we got from the no, mom was all we needed. Um, yeah. I think really like a two hour movie. So yeah, it was a long movie, but, um, I think the pacing in the movie was okay. I, I think it was good for mm -hmm. the most part. It kind of lulled a little bit and like, late or late first act or at least I can act kind of lulled a little bit for yeah. me, but um, a lot of that is also development stuff that paid off at the end anyways. Yeah. So yeah. like, I can't really like knock it for that. Um, mm -mm. I think every shot was intentional. Yeah. And like every minute of the film had something to say and something to do to lead up to other points in the film and tie it all in as a, as a cohesive story. I didn't, I, I didn't really think it dragged. I was like enthralled moment from the first frame to the last frame personally. Yeah. And it might've been cause I was watching at home and like, I maybe yeah. that's why I like ADHD brained it a little bit. Um, and last thing is the actress that played young Ellie is Sadie Sink's little sister. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, JC sink. So I thought that was a really cool little touch, you know, it's a cool touch. Um, but I think this is a very sad, tragic movie. It's you're not going to leave going like mm, let's go get ice cream it's you're gonna sit there and you're gonna you're just gonna sit gonna there think, in silence yeah makes you feel yeah um very very good uh 92 out of 100 for sure um mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty I, I like that um it, i think what separates it like is just i think um the the thing that stops it from being a perfect movie for me like a perfect perfect movie is um i I don't think I could watch this movie multiple times if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I agree. Rewatchability is oh. rough on it, but uh, the substance of the movie, it's not a movie you're going to forget, you know? Yeah. To me, to me, honestly, for good reason. Yeah. Right. Like there's movies like this that, so have you ever read because of when Dixie or seen the movie? Oh, I read it. I hated the movie, read it, loved the book. Yeah. The movie wasn't good, but um, so in, in the, the story, there's, there's things called litmus lozenges, mm -hmm. which, they're supposed to taste like sat, like melancholy. Right. Yeah. But it's a, it's a piece of candy. So it's this, it's a plot device for, you know, bittersweet parts of life. Right. Because yeah. life is bittersweet. 
in general. And this movie is not like that. This movie is sad. And, and I think that these movies like this are important because art should make you feel all sorts of ways. Right. And like this movie does a really good job of making you feel how it wants to make you feel. Yeah. And, and it, it closes out. I mean, I was bawling like a fucking baby, dude. I was crying like a baby at the end of that movie. And like, well, after the credit, like after the credits rolled, I had another bout of like, like starting to cry again. Yeah. Because it was that sad and impactful. And like, I can't, I think I've been thinking about this movie since I saw it. Same. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, it, it kind of, um, it had the same end of movie feel as if you've ever seen 12 years of slave. I have not. Um, so that is a very heavy movie, right? It's, that is a heavy, emotional, dramatic movie. And at the end of it, you kind of feel a similar way where it's like, even though at the end of 12 years of slave, it's like kind of a happy ending, but there's no real way to have a happy ending. Right. And after being a slave for 12 years, um, but it's that level of melancholy that you feel after watching a film like this is part of what makes it so good. Right. Is that like, it's not often in my opinion that art can strike that chord in a way that feels good. Right. A lot of times like sad parts of movies don't feel that sad. And even sad movies have a hard time leaving that sort of like impact, you know, impact on you after you've left the theater or stopped watching the movie. And I I thought this film just nailed that. It, it really like, it really makes, it made you feel, which is like why you go to the movies, right? That's why you watch movies and consume art is because you like, you want to feel something and you want to understand more and, and listen to what art has to say about the human experience. And, this movie just did that, man. It just did it and it nailed it. It yeah. nailed it. Um, so kind of going into what I thought about the movie, so I'll give him my score first. Um, I thought I would give this movie a, a 95. And just because like from moment one, from frame one to frame, whatever the last frame I was, I, w- I was in, yeah. I was captivated by this. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I was just like, I was immersed. I was in awe. I was like, it was fantastic. The symbolism of the bird, like him feeding the birds on his windowsill and the parallel to the symbolism of the whale. And like, you know, like at first you think like it, there's no dramatic payoff to the birds. Right. And to him feeding the birds, there's a little bit in that the, the plate breaks, but it's really more of a symbol, almost like old man in the sea when he returns with the, the, the fish just to, chewed to bits by sharks. Yeah. It's, it's more of a symbol than it is anything else. And it's, it's not inherently tied to the main plot of the story, but it means something in those scenes. Right. I, th- and I thought it, um, I, something I, I thought was when he sees the plate, crack that was also when he was at his lowest right and so i think that was the birds were a symbol of hope for him yeah and then when the plate was cracked it was like it mm-hmm. doubled down doubled down on him being at his ultimate low yeah i think that but he's was, never done anything right with his life yeah, yeah exactly yep like he can't even just feed birds you know yeah. um so for me i'm gonna get a little vulnerable here um this movie really struck 
accord um, because like I have been consumed by self-hatred before. Um, you know, you, you have these feelings that you're just the worst, right? Because nobody can be as mean to you as you can, right? No one in the world can say anything more vile than the shit that I can say to myself and have said to myself before. And it's this, and it's, it perpetuates itself, right? So the lower you feel, the lower you go. It's like, it digs the tunnel for you. And coming out of that is, it's hard. It's so fucking hard and damn near impossible for a lot of people. And people die all the time from, from that affliction, from hating yourself, right? From the lies that you tell yourself about yourself. And because you're telling them to yourself, they become truth and they become part of you. And it almost become it becomes part of your personality to hate yourself, right? It becomes so ingrained in what you do and how you act and the way you treat yourself and other people that it's a near inescapable black hole. And coming out of it is like the freshest breath of air that I've ever taken in my life. Like when you finally realize and you come to terms with the lies that you've told yourself and you begin the process of deconstructing all of that and understanding yourself in a, in a, in a more holistic and almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like, like monitoring way, like instead of, you know, you, you almost separate you from you. Right. Because, and that to me, that's part of the key of like, like alleviating yourself of, of these sort of feelings is separating the self from the, the being, right. Right. It's like your consciousness and who you are and your thoughts, separating your, you from your thoughts, because you're not, your thoughts are not always true. Your brain's a bitch. Yeah. And you do all sorts of things and think all sorts of thoughts to make yourself feel better. And in a lot of ways that can be worse, right? It doesn't make you feel better because it's way easier to ignore hard truths than it is to beat the shit out of yourself all the time. And you can, and you start to feel sorry for yourself. And anyways, this movie captured that it captured, like as someone who has like been down that hole, it really hit home because it, it, it was relatable in that sense that like, he felt so trapped and consumed by himself that why would anyone ever want to love me when I can't love myself? Right. Why would anyone want to help me when I can't help myself? So why, why should I even help myself? Right. And you know, obviously this is a, it's a movie and it takes it to an extreme and it, it not a, not an unbelievable extreme, right? This happens to people every day. Um, and it, the, the arc that, that the main character has of coming to terms with his own death, right? Because a lot of the movie is, is it, it's, it's really about, he finds out he's going to die. He struggles to try to fix as much as he can before he goes. And then the third act of the movie is about him reckoning with the fact that he is powerless. Yeah. That he can't fix anything. And that even trying to fix the things that he wants wouldn't mean anything, yeah. right? It wouldn't fix the problem. 
and and it, the the whale, in a sense, the the unachievable to him is his weight, right? It's consumed him to a point where if he he's realized that even if he does solve this problem, it will not bring him any joy. It will not bring him any peace because there's so much else going on in his life that his own personal health doesn't matter to him, which yeah. is why he's allowed himself to get where he's gotten, right? Is because he's like, if I ignore this problem, I'm going to work on these problems, right? And I'm going to ignore the looming monster in the background because this box is m- much safer feeling, right? And the way that Brenner Fraser portrays that level of like self-loathing and um, being a prisoner in your own mind because of your shame and guilt. And it's really shame, right? That's, that's the main cause of self-hatred is shame. And it, it was just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it was I also thought it was like real and beautiful at the end when, when, when he does realize that he can't fix everything and he's doing, you can see to the last moments of his life, he's trying so hard to fix problems that aren't the real problem. Right. Right. And, and it culminates in his death and he didn't solve any of these problems. It's, it's really more of like a, like a, you know, don't do this, you know, an example of what, how, of what not to do, because it, it consumed him into his death. Mm-hmm. And he, the, like, he never really fixes anything. He doesn't fix his relationship with his daughter. He doesn't fix his relationship with Liz. He doesn't mm-hmm. fix his relationship with his ex his ex-wife. He doesn't, um, learn to love himself. He doesn't do any of these things. It's the movies like a black parade. Like, it is. It's, it's about it, it, the movie. The movie isn't about solving these problems. It's about reckoning with the fact that you can't. Yeah. Right. And that's the character change that the main character goes through is, is not like overcoming obstacles. It's reckoning. It's understanding himself and the things that are going on in his life and the lack of control that he has. Yeah. And it's yeah, this movie was beautiful, man. It was, it was a, it was a beautiful film, uh, emotionally, visually. Um, it was also like, it had a lot of grotesque in it, um, mm-hmm. which was re- like added to the, the feel and the theme of the show or the, of the movie. And it just, yeah. Yeah. I liked all of it. I, I loved all of the, the, the writing it was incredible. The symbolism of the, you know, him the, of honesty you know, when you see that arc of him, when, when he starts teaching, he's telling him, write and revise, write and revise, write and revise, right? And that's, that's his, that's how he sees himself too. It's like, like, just keep fixing, just keep trying to fix, right? Right. <laughs> Sorry for and audio listeners, uh, cat in the background. The cat just jumped into the window. Um, not out the window, in the, on the windowsill. Anyways, and then. <laughs> You see, every time he talks to his class, he gets progressively more. He just wants some fucking honesty, right? Yeah. That's what he says. And it's because his whole life, or not, I mean, his whole adult life, he's been completely dishonest with himself. And that's why I said earlier, I think this movie's about honesty. Um, and again, as somebody who's like come out of the throes of self-hatred, that's the only cure is honesty. 
is to be honest with yourself, how you feel, why you're beating the shit out of yourself all the time, and being honest and understanding. And so that's, by the end of the movie, that's all he's craving, is some fucking honesty. Because he has been dishonest to himself and the people that he loves. Liz is dishonest to herself and him. His daughter is dishonest to herself and the fact that she hates everyone. His wife is an, his ex-wife is an alcoholic and dishonest with herself and everyone lies to each other and tries to fix problems that can't be fixed, you know, with more lies and can only be fixed with honesty. And so by the end of it, that's all he wants is some goddamn honesty. Yep. Is tell your, like, and, and not, not honesty to him because that's what Dan did. Right. right. That, that's what the pizza guy did. Not honesty to him because he, he, whatever. That's not what he's worried about. Honesty to yourself. And yeah. you hear that when he reads out the things that the class wrote to him. It, you know, one of them said, I, I, my parents want me to be a radiologist and I don't know what the fuck that is. And yeah. one of them said, uh, I'm tired of everyone telling me they have potential. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's why he said these are real honest things that you have written that mean more than any fucking essay about a dumbass book could ever tell you about your life. Yeah. And I think he gathered, I, I, just, I think he got I that conclusion it. from um, Ellie's essay about the whale. Back to that, you know, and her haiku. Yeah. And her haiku. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is where he, he gathers that opinion yeah. is honesty because that's what she was writing. She yeah. was writing about how honestly, how she felt and what was going on in her life. Mm-hmm. And, that's that was amazing. Yeah, and and it, and it 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 literally he clung to it to the moment that he died. That piece of honesty from someone that he loved. That was the last thing he wanted to hear before he died was honesty, because his whole life, like all of the problems in his life, are dishonesty with the self. Right? He was dishonest about his social with himself about his sexual orientation. He married a woman and had a kid and then finally owned up to it. But it caused a mountain of problems in his life, right? Yeah. He was dishonest to himself about the mental state of his partner, right? It led to his partner's suicide. He was dishonest with himself about his own, you know, health and physical state, which led to his own death. And it was, it was these strings of lies that we tell ourselves that culminated in what is essentially the slowest, most painful suicide that you could possibly do, right? And it's melancholic and hard to watch, but it means something. Like, to me, this is an important film. This this is a film about the human experience that hits chords and strikes tones and, and makes impacts that most movies don't, that most movies just don't, they don't have the writing or acting or gravity to, to make you feel the way this movie makes you feel. And this movie makes you feel, you know, it, it will rise emotions in you. And it's, you know, like th- this, this movie could honestly come with some trigger warnings for some people, you know? Yeah. I like actually, it, I, it deals with some like pretty heavy topics, man. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to like, before we, you know, wrap up or anything, I, w- I want to say, you know, um, if, if you are feeling depressed or anything, you know, um, it's always okay to reach out. There's, if you want to reach out anonymous, anonymously, uh, there's a number for that. It's one 800 273 
Um, and you know, it's, uh, I think this movie, um, it saves lives. Those hotlines save lives. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I think this movie might, you know, trigger some people, honestly. Um, you're not alone. You're yeah. not alone. Yeah. And that's, people have gone through this and are going through it. Yeah. And it's, it is, it is a part of the human experience mm-hmm. and you're not alone. You're not wrong. Um, that, I mean, you just, you just need a little help. You just need a little compassion, a little love, a little honesty. You know, it's, it's cliche, but like you don't get mountains without valleys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, that it really is. The grass isn't, I'm not saying the grass is greener <laughs> on the other side, but I am saying the grass does grow again, you know? Um, it gets greener. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, that number is 1-800-273-8255. Um, I, I'm, I, yeah, uh, the whale. Um, yeah. Did I, did I whale. cut you off? Did I cut you off? Is there more you wanted to get no, into? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. That's what oh. I wanted to say. That's okay. the, that was the. You, you actually hit a lot of the things when you were talking about the characters that I want okay. to talk about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say about the the themes and uh, what I think this movie did really, mm-hmm. really right. Um. Um. Some. Yeah. There's some. Uh. Some things I want to talk about real quick. Um. I don't want to end y'all all on a um, low note or anything. Um, yeah, I gotta, we got to wrap uh, this up. Yeah, yeah. A D&D today. Ooh. It's my first time DMing, man. Ooh. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, there is a, uh, we're talking about like, you know, we do movies and stuff. So one of the movies that I want to bring to light, I want to, uh, this is one I think we should do. Um, up to you. It's called uh, Renfield. Ooh, I'm actually down to do that movie. Yeah, so that's something to look forward to. It doesn't come out until like April, uh, later in April, so maybe yeah. not next podcast. Yeah, it's a little, one a little more lighthearted than the whale. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe we should throw some lighthearted ones in there. But uh, Renfield, look forward to that. Uh, it's Nicholas Cage and uh, Nicholas Holt, so um, that'll be really fun. Be good. I think it'll be a fun yeah. movie. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys again for watching. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, um, save this on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. It helps with the numbers and everything else. Recommend it to a friend. Follow us. Oh no, Bandito over here for Zach. The tribute goes for me on socials. Oh, um, yeah. Thank you so much for watching, guys, and um, we will see you on uh, in a fortnight. See ya. Bye.